We're going to talk this morning to you about how to increase the power of a man. How to increase the power of a man. You see, there's a lot of adults here, but I don't know how many men are here. That's what I want to find out today. I want to find out how many men we got today. I want to find out how many men are ready to go to the next level. Like the men, 13 gave their life to the Lord last weekend alone. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. You see, the, the hope of the world is on the local church, but the hope of the local church is on the men. Because statistics tell us that when a lovely lady gives her heart to the Lord, when a mom gives her heart to the Lord, that 55% of the household will come to God. 55. Now, sometimes there's more than that, but the average is 55%. When a father comes to the Lord, over 90% of the household serves God. Thank God for you ladies that's prayed for us all these years, stood in the gap for us all these years. But it's time for your men to do what? What's it time for them to do? What, what's it time for them to do? What's it time for us to do? Man up, right? And that's what I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk about manning up for your power. You need to take back your power this morning. I'm just challenging you men. I don't care what lie the devil, I do care. But what I'm saying is whatever lie the devil has told you, remember, it's a lie. Remember that if the devil's mouth is moving, it's a lie. And he is the father of lies. And what I want you to realize today, no matter where you've been, what's went on in your life, what went on in your life 15 minutes ago, it, that, that's not my concern. What my concern is, are you ready to man up for the power of God? Maybe you already have the power of God. Well, it's time for some more power. Maybe maybe you you already have, have an anointing on your life. It's time for a greater anointing. Or maybe you've been walking around like a dead man and you've been walking down beaten back and pushed back and oppressed and pressed down and put it at the back of the line. I, I want to tell you, today is a resurrection Sunday. Today is a transformational Sunday. Today is when God takes dead dreams and make them alive again. Today is when God takes dead ambition and brings it alive again. Today is when God takes dead passion, no passion, and resurrects it again. Today is a day that God takes walking dead men and resurrects them today. I, I, I thought today I'd give you something a little bit funny since I've been kind of serious with this series starting off. So there was an article a number of years ago written in the Chicago Tribune by a lady named uh, Cheryl Laban. Now this, remember, this is written by a lady, right? And she gives us 10 rules men wish women would follow. Just saying, 10 rules that women, it's written by a woman, all right? So 10 rules women, 10 rules men wish women would follow. The first rule, number one, if you ask a question you don't really want the answer to, expect an answer you really didn't want to hear in the first place. (laughs) The second one, 
Sometimes we're not thinking about you. Just live with it. Say, it's what men would like women to know. The third one, crying is blackmail. You're not allowed to cry when there's an argument or allowed to cry when you really want. No, crying is a blackmail. The fourth one, don't take, don't take, don't ask us what we're thinking about unless you are prepared to discuss the topics such as naval length, the shotgun formation of a shell, or monster trucks. If you, if you don't ask us what we're thinking other than that. The fifth thing men want women to know, when we have to go, when we have to go somewhere, absolutely anything you wear is fine, really. It's, it's fine, whatever you wanna wear. I mean, like if, if you were a woman and you were Michael Garrison, but he's a man, it would be all right to wear jams to anything, even in, in this millennium, right, Michael? My buddy is consistent, I'm telling you. I've known him 20 years now. He's consistent, almost 20. So uh, here's something else men would like you ladies to know. Number six, ask for what you want. Now let's be clear about this one. Subtle hints don't work. Strong hints no, they don't work either. Really obvious hints don't work. Just tell us what you want. Yeah, you, you girls know, you know. Seventh thing that men want women to know. No, we don't know what day it is. We never will. Mark anniversaries and all important dates on a calendar that you know we will see or you put it in front of us so we don't miss it. That's men. The eighth thing, we're not mind readers. And we never will be. Our lack of mind reading ability is not proof of how little we care about you. It's because we can't read your mind. That doesn't mean we don't care about you. And yes, here, number nine. Yes and no are perfectly good answers anytime. Yes, no, yes. And then the final one, number 10. Come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it. I mean, I get in more trouble now with that. I've been married, we celebrated our 24th anniversary this past week. I still get in trouble. I just have to remind myself when she talks over me and I, I like I'm trying to answer. I, yeah, honey, I get, and then, I, then she'll look at me like, I'm talking. I'm like, oh, she don't want me to solve it. Yes, dear. Then I start thinking about what, what game's on tonight? Well, she, yes, you know, I'm just kidding. Don't tell Pastor Steph. She's with the children today. I'll be in trouble. Come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it. That's what we do. Sympathy is what you get from your girlfriends. So, just saying. <laughs> now, 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 I said that, ladies, because I'm going to be kind of hard on the guys today. So, you pray for us, all right? So, that's, that's a, remember, that was written by a woman. So, I just... Just say, hey, there was a time a few years ago, I, well, I, not a few years ago, I mowed grass, but I was mowing grass a few years ago, and it's like this time of year, and kind of toward the evening after dinner time, and 
I noticed this couple, this husband, wife, walking doing their, you know, their dinner walk after they ate. And I walked through the neighborhood and I'm mowing. And I just see him, you know, we give the neighborhood nod. Hey, how you doing? Just mowing and I'm watching him. And as I'm turning around, I'm watching him. You know, the guy gave me a neighborhood nod and he's like, he gave me a neighborhood nod. He's like, oh, and he's just focused on where he's on. The wife, she gave me the neighborhood nod too. And then she started at one side of the flower beds, going through every flower, every piece of mulch, to the porch, to what was hanging, what was sitting on the porch, to the next flower bed, coming right up to my garage, and the garage door was open. <laughs> and I'm going, oh God, what's she gonna think about our garage? About that time, I was saved because they got to the next neighbor's yard. What's that tell you? Guys, you could be on the same journey, the same trip, at the same event, at the very same time. But you're still not going to see everything she sees. It's just not going to happen. And you're going to probably walk away with a totally different perspective many times. Guys, just get over it. That's, that's the way it is. So today, as we get into this, I want to talk to you about how do we release the power of a man. Now, this is for you ladies to help us guys, and this is for the guys. If you want to walk to another level of conviction, of authority, of anointing, of wisdom, of, of health in your relationships, and so on, then, then, then you need to understand this. The Apostle Paul gives us the first clue in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. He said this, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away child, childish things. So what I want you to realize here is we are all in the process of becoming. And we're all in the process of becoming either more wise or less wise, more healthy or less healthy, more influential or less influential, more anointed or less anointed. Our marriage is either growing or not because of how we're growing, but we're all growing older. Can anybody say amen to that? But here's the key. We are not... We aren't born men. Just because we're born as males, we have to become men. So I want you to check out this little couple minute video and they're asking this important question and they're needing to answer, um, how does a boy become a man? Y'all ready? You ready, Brother Roy? You the man. Fire away. Good one. Stumps a lot yeah, of Yeah, this is a stumper. Um, now, this is going to be a hard question to answer. I feel like I should have more experience in this than you, but I don't. What really makes a boy a man? You assume that they do become a man, right? I imagine science can define it. I mean, a um, certain age, I guess, at that point. But When I was five years old, I think it was about 10. When I was 10, I was about 13. I was a man. I guess you could say at puberty, but it's not necessarily true. When you drive a car? When 
you stop living with your parents? <laughs> I don't think it has to do much with age. I think you can be a man at 15 years old or you cannot be a man at 40 years old. I don't know if they ever really do. <laughs> We have a lot of grown boys acting out the part of men. And I thought, like, I become a man, became a man, like, uh, after the army. That's what I thought. When he gained responsibility of self. Probably when he experiences sex for the first time. When he has to take care of someone. when he probably loses something really important to him. I think a boy becomes a man when he, I don't know, takes a step to put other people before himself. When he understands what family truly means. A boy is someone who wants, you know, things for himself, presents, gifts, stuff like that. And a man is someone who wants the best for his family and children and things like that. Doesn't, doesn't rely on others to do for him what he should do for himself as a, as a man. Wow, that's some pretty good answers. But it's, well, some of them were. <laughs> Pray for the one brother. Anyway, so uh, I, I can lay hands on him suddenly, help him out. You can bring the lights all back up if you don't mind up here too, guys. Um, so as we look at this, it seems like this is just a question that a lot of people don't have an answer to. And, and when we begin to think about it, about becoming a man, what, what does that really mean? But here's the key, guys. When we're becoming a man, the becoming a man <clears throat> is not a destination. Becoming a man is a journey. Because your manhood card is going to be called a lot of times on you in your life. And you're going to find out that, that sometimes it can be really difficult to man up and be the bigger man that forgives someone else. Or to man up and be the bigger man that lays your agenda aside. Man up and be the one that provides for something or helps someone out when they really don't deserve to be helped out. But you're doing it because you're just manning up and you're making choices. So becoming a man really is all about decisions. I like what Jesus said. He says this in Mark 4 verses 35 through 41. And I'm going to kind of turn this toward men. And it says this, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. He was getting ready to leave the crowds. They were pressing on him a few verses earlier. Uh, it, the crowds were so large. He said, have a small boat ready because, you know, I'm concerned that I'm going to be crushed. So let's have this small boat ready. And he was ready. And when they fled off the shore, people were pressing, thousands of people. And they got off the shore and other little boats following. But what did he say to them? He said, let us cross over to the other side. And what I want you to realize is when you are a Christ follower and you're a child of God, you got to always be willing to take a step, 
forward. You gotta always be willing to leave, whether it's success or failure behind, and take the next step and get your vision and your purpose and your goal set on what's next to cross over to the other side. Now, what happened when Christ gave the word and they heard the word and they jumped in the boat and they began to travel over to the other side with him, what happened? They had to make a decision to follow him. You see, men, when we come to Christ, it's not by accident, but when we come to Christ, it's a decision. When we're going to love someone, it's, it's just not an accident. That's feelings. But, but love is a decision. Now, now, people say, well, I tried to love her, but, you know, it just didn't work out. I loved her physically, but I just tried. I loved her for a year or two. No, see, see, see the problem is, you want to know how to keep a friend in your life forever? You meet someone, you're like, whether it's a, a, a person you're going to marry or, or just another friend, and you want to keep that friendship, and you've been friends for a few months, you go, man, I want this friendship to last forever. Anybody ever been in that situation? I just want this friendship to last forever. You want to know how you keep it lasting forever? You treat them five years later just like you did the first time you met them. You treat them 10 years later just like you did the first time you met them. You treat them 20 years later just like you did the first time you met them. Now, if I'm going to do that, it takes a lot of focus because I got to focus not on what's happened that's good or what's happened that's bad or what might happen. I can't focus on, you know, are they going to be faithful or trustworthy? I got to focus on the decision I made. And as I focus on the decision I made, then I, I reinforce it through my words and through my actions. So when we say that love is a decision, it's not just that, oh, I'm gonna find someone and decide to love them, no. Well, you gotta understand everything starts in your mind. And your mind controls your nervous system. It controls what you feel, what you sense, what you think you feel, and all of that. So the reason love is a decision is because if I sit here and I just think about, man, it's been a tough week. We had a, uh, Steph's uncle passed away. We had to go up to Columbus and it, it was unexpected. Didn't expect, didn't think he was that sick. And we were just with him at Christmas. And then we did his funeral and then we loved on family members. I could just sit here and go, man, this is, man. And I come right out of that from church. I came out of some meetings and I had some coaching stuff and I had some meetings with staff. And then then unfortunately we had another funeral with a lovely family I love in this church. And, and even though we're celebrating to going home with their loved one, it still breaks my heart when their heart breaks. And, and I just looked at the last two weeks and go, Phew. see, that's my choice. Or I could look at it and go, wow, in that time, I got to see their family come together. In that time, six people came to Christ and we baptized a young man and his family. You know, in that time, we got to reconnect with Stephanie's family and we got to be a strength to people. And even though it's hard for us, we got to love on people and encourage them. And, and I got back here and man, I get to preach today and, and I get to help change lives today. And man, we had 19 uh, baptisms last week and 13 salvations last week. And, and, and so now if I sit here for 60 seconds or 120 seconds, which thought is going to bring me happiness and joy? Wow, that's good. That's good. Now, did you tell me what to think about? No, sir. Did you tell me what to think about? Who chose that? I did. I did. So that's how love is a decision. 
It's a decision because I can choose to look at the good in someone and the potential in someone and, and look at them with grace and look at them with love and forgiveness or I can choose to judge every little thing they do or they haven't done and before long, they're gonna look differently to me. So love, and another thing is, you know what? When your wife has had several children and she doesn't look like she did when she was 18, guess what? You don't look like you did when you was 18 either, but just saying, she may look more like it than you do probably. But anyway, she definitely probably got more hair than you like my wife has. So, so what are you saying, preacher? You can choose to see her as a 40-year-old wife versus an 18-year-old or 20-year-old wife. Or you can choose to see your beautiful 40-year-old wife as your 20-year-old wife anyway, plus even greater because she loves you enough that you've got to bring children in the world and you get to work together and serve together and love together and take risks together and be there for one another. Now she's not just as beautiful as she was when she was 20. She's 100 times more beautiful and you start thinking about the times you were a jerk and she should have walked out on you or slapped you or kicked you or embarrassed you. Maybe she did a few times, but not every time. That's how love is a decision. The same thing with the love of Christ. When you come to the revelation of 1 John 4, that it's not about my love for him, it's about his love for me. If all I'm focused on is my love for him, then I'm working and I'm trying to find ways to position myself to honor him and all that without it becoming natural honor and natural love. But when I focus on the fact that he loved Dalton when Dalton was totaling three cars and partying his brains out and should have been dead multiple times, he loved me enough to be there for me. He loved me enough that when I chose to come to him, he saved me. He loved me enough to help me to have wisdom, to, to just take step by step to, to move on in life and build a family and build a ministry and all that. What I, I could look at where I don't measure up or, or how I say, well, but yeah, God, you weren't there when I needed an increase or God, you weren't there when a loved one passed away or God. No, no, I, I've come to learn that God's there all the time. He'll never leave me or forsake me, Right? So I can choose to focus on what, you know, didn't happen in my Burger King world, have it my way, right? Or I can choose to say no matter what it is, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And that his words in Jeremiah is to give me a a good hope and a good expected end. He's not out to hurt me or to harm me. And John 10, 10 is the line, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. So I can choose on one side of the John 10 line, abundance and life, or I could step on the other side and choose death, cursing, and fear and all that. So, So I said all that to say this, guys, it's time to cross over. It's time to cross over to the other side. It's time to take an adventure and be the next level of man God called you to be, to become who God designed you to be, to be someone's hero, someone's provider, someone's deliverer, someone's healer, to be someone's saint, to be someone's angel, not for you, but for others. It's time to cross over. Now, now look at the next verse. It says, now when they had left the multitude, when they had left the multitude, they took him, Jesus, along in the boat as he was. So he was tired. He had been pressed on. He'd been ministering to thousands of people and walking and doing all that. And then all the other little boats were also with him. 
But, but something I want you to look, it says, now when they had left the multitude, men, if you're gonna man up and walk in the power of God, sometimes you gotta leave the multitude. Sometimes you gotta pull away from the pack. Sometimes you gotta pull away from the flow of your bros and your buds and all that. Sometimes you gotta pull away from the opinions of crazy people in this nation. Sometimes you just gotta pull away from people that are religious and love them anyway. Sometimes you just gotta pull away from the pack. Sometimes you just gotta pull away from the multitudes and say, okay, Lord, what must I do to keep you in my boat? What must I do to cross over to the other side? See, you can't get there without a decision. And if we're going to cross over, sometimes we got to leave the people we're the most familiar with. We got to leave situations and habits and things that we are involved in because we got a vision for the other side. See, 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 if you're trying to overcome an addiction by stopping, you'll never stop. But if you'll find the right purpose and why for it and begin to grow yourself in your relationship with Christ and get intimate with the Holy Spirit and trust him and love him and repent every time you blow it before long, but keep focusing on the goodness of God and what he's done for you and, what he, and him communicating daily with you, before you know it, you'll look up and that thing will be broken off your life. But see, I can lay hands on you and, and put oil on you and pour water on you. And, and there's times, man, I can lay hands on people and they get delivered right then. But, but there's other times that, that, that it all still happens because of a choice. You have to make a decision you want to get to the other side. You want to make a decision to leave the addiction, to leave this side of the shore and get to the other side. It's a choice. Verse 37 says, and then they made this decision, right, to go to the other side. I made this decision to love my wife even more. And what did she do? I made a decision to step out in faith, to go to the other side of my finances and to save money. And look what happened. What, what are you talking about, preacher? Look here. It says, uh, when they made that decision, they, they're in the boat with Jesus and they're going to the other side. It said in verse 37, and a great windstorm arose. That shouldn't happen because I'm a Christian, right? I, I shouldn't have storms. I'm a man of God. I should, I'm a preacher, especially. I shouldn't have people betray me. I, I shouldn't have people lie about me. I, I shouldn't have people steal from me. I, I shouldn't have people curse me. I, I shouldn't have. No, you just become a bigger target. So you've got to be a what? A bigger man. See, I talk to young preachers. It's like, well, I want to preach the gospel. I say, oh, he do, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I've been studying this commentary and this word. I've been watching this on the video. I'm going to teach you to, yeah, man, I, I've been practicing my room, my hairbrush, preaching, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you want to, right? Well, well what you got to get ready for is if you're offended with anyone now, multiply that a thousand times. If, if you have a lack of confidence now, multiply that a thousand times. If things are not going your way and you're co totally dependent on God, multiply that a thousand times. Because what you got to realize, when you make a decision to go the other side with God, it's not that problems become smaller, it's just that you become bigger and greater. That's why becoming a man is not a, not a destination, it's a journey. So it says, the windstorm arose, and the waves beat their boat, and it was already filling. So it was already filling, it was sinking. Verse 38, and he was in the stern or the bow of the ship, asleep. Jesus was on a pillow. 
It's like, man, I don't hear you, Jesus. I go to church and I, I feel that worship and it's so good. And, you know, I feel good. I get in my car. I get off the parking. Oh, Lord, all hell breaks loose. It just seems like, Jesus, you're just there at that church. You're just there on the pillow. When I go there, it's a pillow. No, no, God doesn't want you to walk in a pillow faith. He, he, he didn't call you men to a pillow fight. He didn't call you to a pillow fight. He called you to a guerrilla fight, guerrilla warfare, hand-to-hand combat. I mean, Rambo stuff, whatever you got to do to get to the other side. Not just whatever you got to do to get to the other side, to protect and take those on your boat with you to the other side. It's not your first quarter or first half wife. It's your wife that gets you to the other side and goes with you. It's not you're just kids until you're, they're 18. No, you're, they're your kids till you get to the other side. You're taking them on a journey. You're providing. You got a man up and stop whining about the way you used to have it. I used to be skinny and I used to have, well, eat less. I used to have more hair. Wear a hat. I used to be younger. At least you're not dead. You could have stayed young when you died young and then you never got up. Man up! Man up and get to the other side. Man up and take those in your boat with you. Man up and make a decision. It's not about you, but it's about others. Man up! So that Christ can up your manhood to handle any problem and any offense and any task and any fear and any inadequacy. See, I told you girls, you know, y'all like, a few of those jokes, Pastor, was just a little touchy. <laughs> you might need to keep those in front of you, but see, the guys, we're getting it too. I'm giving it to us too. Look here now. And they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I mean, Jesus, do you not see that we're getting past due in the mail? Jesus, did, do you not see that... You know, I got problems at work. Jesus, do you not see that I'm worried about my wife and her health? And Jesus, do you not see my kids? I mean, Jesus, do you not see my situation, my circumstance? No, he sees it. But you see, everything he's got to do for you is less you do for yourself. I mean, are you going to be in your 40-year-old's house picking their socks up for them? Well, then do you expect Jesus to pick your socks up for you? Jesus, I just, I chose to follow you and it just, you know, I just can't stop being offended. Every time, of course you can't stop until you stop. Yes. It takes a decision to stop, doesn't it, yes. Miss Essie? She's laughing. It takes a decision. As men, we have to decide to stop being offended and you will be offended. Jesus said, you didn't say you wouldn't be offended. He said, be not easily offended. So, so don't get all tore up, man. I had a three-year run. I was so anointed and holy. And then that stupid person had to just be my friend and then stab me in the back. Maybe they're not the one that's dumb. You're the one that's been close to Jesus for three years. You probably know more than you're acting like you know right now. Maybe you need to man up and forgive someone because forgiveness means I'm gonna forgive you even when you don't deserve it. I didn't deserve the Son of God forgiving me. I didn't deserve the Son of God standing on the cross for me. See, if, you, if you're looking for people to forgive that deserve it, you're not gonna forgive very many people. And you're probably a self-punisher. You're probably not forgiving yourself either. And then that makes you miserable. It makes your house miserable. It makes your friendships miserable. All quiet in the Holy Ghost house. That's okay. I'm used to it. I'm, I'm a big boy. Look here now. So, so, so they're worried about perishing. And then verse 39 says, and he arose and did what? 
rebuked the wind. Oh, he'll move. He's going to move every time. It's just a matter of when. And he rebuked the wind. And the wind ceased. It was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Didn't say a little faith. Or how, how is it that you're weak on faith? He said, now, how is it that you have no faith? Wow. Now, now, you got to realize, these are the dudes hanging out with him and, you know, on the mountain praying. These are dudes he anointed just a chapter before and said, go out and lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, preach the gospel. These are the men that had blind eyes open while they laid hands on. These are the men that were casting out devils. These are the men that were with him, seeing 5,000 men and their families fed with 12 loaves of, what, five loaves of bread and two fish. These are the same men. And here they are when they're crossing over to what's next. For some reason, the storm hit harder during this next and they threw them off a little bit and they reverted back to the man they used to be, not the man he called them to be. See, see, see that marriage started off all hot and great. You know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that first date was amazing, right? But, but, but see, we don't evaluate something by the emotions of what's going on. We evaluate something by what God's word says and by the decisions we make and the decisions we make will give you the joy and, 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 and the peace that you need. You see, happiness only comes when you have progression or when you have progress. You can be a billionaire and commit suicide. We saw that this week. We saw two famous people, one worth hundreds of millions. You know, you carry a purse around, God bless her, hung herself. She has a 13-year-old daughter. You saw another gentleman that's got, man, you know, he's got the coolest job. He's just going around eating and doing what he wants all over the world, and he takes his life. Famous guy. So you can have notoriety, you can have money, you can have all that stuff, but if you are not progressing, you will die. Let me tell you something, men. If your marriage is not progressing, it's gonna die. If your relationship with your kids is not progressing, it's gonna die. They're not six, they're 16 or they're 36. I don't know, but it should be growing. It should be living. It should be thriving. It's time for you to man up. It's time to man up with your kids. It's time to man up with your spouse. It's time to man up with your career. It's time to man up with your health. It's just time cross over because it's better on the other side. I, I see Larry back there, man, and Larry, you know, he played football in college. He's got a great job at Toyota, and he's got his lovely, beautiful wife, Jamaica, and now she's, they got their firstborn in there. It won't be long, and I remember talking to Larry when he started helping with the youth. He's from Alabama and talking about his struggles and talking about an old dating relationship where we ever met Jamaica and just, just talking about some things that, well, man, you, you, you know, talk about, you just gotta leave that behind. And, and I have to give him credit, man, he manned up. He, he manned up and started cutting old things and old connections and old relationships off. And you know what? It took a while, but look now, he's got the love of his life, a woman of God. They're expecting their first child. He's, he's, he's doing his dream, playing, still playing football and doing things. Got a great job. But, but, but Larry, you had to, what, make a decision, didn't you? 
Not just one, but bunches of decisions. But the main decision was, I'm going to cross over. I'm going to cross over in my health. I'm going to cross over in my relationships. I'm going to cross over in my relationship with God. I'm not, because he came to the realization, you know, you can have this big dream and that dream's cool. But what are you going to do when God blesses you so much you get that dream? I want to graduate college, play football. I'm going to graduate college. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to be out of debt. I'm going to drive the coolest car I want to drive. That's all cool. Then then what? Well, I'm going to meet this hot girl. I'm going to marry her. She's going to love me, and I'm going to love her. Cool. Then what? Well, you know, now next, Larry, now we're going to have a family. We're going to have a baby. Okay, cool, Larry. Now what? Well, I I guess we're going to raise that baby and feed that baby. Okay, and then what? What about the 10th anniversary and the 15th and the 20th and the 30th? You see, it don't just happen that, woo, it just happened and they made a decision and it's a woo. No, no, it's decision after decision after decision. And that's what manning up is, making the decision in alignment with God's word and his relationship to bring honor, to bring life, to bring health and, and prosperity. That's what it's about. Hey, guys. It's not about you. The older I get, Rory, the more I find out it's definitely not about me. I mean, it's so bad now. I got an 18-year-old coming into my sock drawer, taking my socks because he's too lazy to take. And he don't even have to wash them most of the time. All he's got to do is get them in the laundry basket. He don't even have to get them to the laundry room most of the time. And I'm waking up, well, you in my sock drawer. I go over there and there's no socks. Son, you're 18 years old. <laughs> Senior in high school. Get out of my sock drawer. <laughs> Go without socks. <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> but I gotta love him. Might have to teach him a little better about laundry, I guess. <laughs> Show him his limits. That's mine. Don't mess with it. I could kill you. You're mine. So my mama said, I brought you into this world. I can, what? Everybody heard that? I can, yeah, come on. It's the truth, just saying. And then lie about it later and repent. I don't know, but whatever. So, so, so wherever we're at, guys, I want you to realize it's time to cross over. No matter where you're at on the spectrum of things, being a man is about becoming. It's not about getting there and you've arrived. Let me, let me end for the next five minutes with three little, three little tips I wanna give you. Look at me in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, one verse. Three, three decisions we must make to walk into the manhood God called us to. Paul talks about it in verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I read it to you earlier, I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became, he didn't say when I become, he said when I became a man, I put away childish things. So I'm gonna reverse them instead of going in the same order. I'm gonna talk to you first about the decision about your thoughts. You see, when you change your thoughts, you change your actions. And then you can change your words. The number one thing that I want you to realize is if we want to become the man God called us to be, we got to man up our thought life. We got to get our thought life in order. Well, I was in a good mood till she said that to me. 
and I was doing great till he came into my sock drawer at 7.30 in the morning. And see, they don't control my thoughts. I control my thoughts. So we got to man up on our thoughts if we want to change our actions. That's where adulthood begins. Now, adulthood starts where? It starts on the inside, not the outside. Like that one little kid, I guess you're a man when you can drive. And then the other guy, you heard what he said. I'm like, dude, you probably some dude living by yourself for sure. Who's going to live with you at your age? And you still think you become a man because you just had sex. Now, now, you can be a guy and have a baby and take no responsibility, but you can't be a man. You're just saying, okay. It's preacher hot today. Now, I didn't say I didn't love you, and I'm not saying I'm condemning you. I'm just saying repent. Repent. God's grace is sufficient. But you got to repent. Look here now. So we got to man up our third John verse two says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would what? Prosper and be in health. What now? Even as your soul prospers. Your soul, your decision-making resource, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, right? Your soul, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So you live in a body and it has a soul. So your soul, you're a tripart being, and it's that decision-making resource. And so as I make, have, I can't make the right decisions if I don't have the right thoughts. Remember last week, Lazarus, huh? When Jesus called him to come forth, he's wrapped in grave clothes, had a rock over the tomb, been in there in the cave for four days. He, the Bible said he stinketh, but he had to come forth. Jesus resurrected him, but he still had his grave clothes on. When you become a Christian, you're born again. You become a new creature in Christ, but you still stink in a lot of areas of your life. And it's up to you to get free of that. Just like me, there's areas I, oh, let's see, I got to deal with that. I thought I'd deal, I did deal with that years ago. Now I got to deal with it again. Well, that's mine. That's not somebody else's. I got to own it. And then what was cool, it says when, when Lazarus hopped out and he's all wrapped in his grave clothes, he said, and then Jesus told the other men to take the clothes off. See, that's why we got to be there for one another and pull the stinky stuff off and help each other and cover each other trust and love and counsel one another. Let me give you the second one real quick. We got not only man up in our thoughts because remember this though before I go to the next one. Your thoughts are what? Oriented toward others. They're always about others not you. The second one is you got to man up what? In your actions. He said I used to think as a child and then he said what? When I thought as a child I understood as a child. The Greek word for understand means actions of the will and affections. Actions of the will and affections. So here's what Paul's saying here, and I'll give it to you quick. He's saying two things. He say, he's just simply saying two things. And he says, Paul's saying the two things that define a man are what he wants and what he loves. What he wants and what he loves. And if your wanter is not right, you a messed up dude. And you're going to mess up other people. You got to get your wanter right. And my wanter can't be right. 
if my desires are not right and my desires can't be right if my thoughts are not right and my thoughts can't be right if my focus is not right, focusing on the right stuff and I don't know what the right stuff is until I study it and know it and show myself approved and receive it as well. So Paul said, I put away what? Childish things. In other words, Paul said, I had to man up with my actions, my deeds. I had to man up with my thoughts and I had to man up with my actions. And then the final one is this and we'll pray. Paul said this, he said, I spoke as a child. I spoke as a child. So in other words, the third thing he had to do is man up in his words. You see, what I want you to realize is what you think determines what you love, what you have determines what you talk about. So what happens is what I'm thinking about and what I'm desiring is, is what I'm gonna end up speaking out. The Bible tells us this, says uh, Luke 6, 45 says, out of what? The abundance of the heart, the soul, the spirit. How the abundance, the inside of a man, the mouth speaks. So how you talk and how you walk reveals if you're a man. And it reveals the kind of men we are. So a child doesn't always understand the power of their words, but real men get the power of their words. We gotta understand that we control the power of life and death, not just for us, but for others. And what we, well, you know, I'm just a person that speaks my mind, then you're not a very intelligent person. Because did you know your mind thinks some real crazy stuff? Well, I just had this dream and I murdered this person. I did that. Well, then just repent. Just get that out of your spirit and shut up. Nobody needs to know. You just give it away. Get some counseling. Do something. But, but if I'm out here just saying, well, you know, I just had a premonition that you're going to cheat on me. Well, you're an idiot. What are you talking about a premonition? You, you know what you need to do? You need to see what's in you causing you to think like that. You know, I've had people come up to me, I got a word for you. They give me some weird word. You know, fear and ugh, be a warning, warning. I said, I love you, but that's what I got the Holy Spirit for. That's what I got the word of God. That's why I got other men in my life. That's why I got a woman that would kill me if I did that in the first place and repent later. I, I mean, you got, you got to have boundaries. Stephanie looks at me, she hears some stuff. People say, I said, I know, honey, I know. I wouldn't be like that if that was me. I know, honey, I know. And I would need that in my life. See, see, you got to come to the realization, guys, that, that we're the ones that have the power. God gave us the power, just like our wives. He gave them the power for their situation. And our mouth is either going to speak life or death. Our mouth is either going to speak growth, encouragement, potential in life. It's up to us. Proverbs 18, 21 through 22 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That tells me my tongue has authority. My tongue has power. There's power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You have the power. You have the power to speak life and encouragement. I want to challenge you this week to use that power that God's given you, your tongue, 
Use that power of your tongue to encourage, to infirm, to affirm, I mean, at least one really close friend or family member. Use the power of your tongue, the authority God gave you to affirm, to encourage, to strengthen at least one person this week. Just one person, just encourage them, man. And I, I tell you what, maybe encourage someone that recently offended you. And don't say, well, pastor gave me a challenge and you offended me, so I guess I'll encourage you. Be blessed. No. Someone should never know anyway. You, you, you don't go say, well, you know, I had to pray three days to get over that offense you caused me. No. It stinks, bury it. Not, I didn't say don't deal with it. I said just make a decision and forgive. But, but, forgive. No, you don't, forgive. No, nah, forgive. I didn't say you wouldn't get mad and do something stupid for a minute or two. Then you repent and then you forgive. But that's the only option. Because offense puts you in offense.